Pray step into my little sanctum, a small place, miss, but furnished to my own liking, an oasis of art in the howling desert of South London. We had traversed Streatham, Brixton, Camberwell, and now found ourselves in Kennington Lane, having borne away through the side streets to the east of the Oval. The men whom we pursued seemed to have taken a curiously zigzag road, with the idea, probably, of escaping observation. They had never kept to the main road if a parallel side street would serve their turn. At the foot of Kennington Lane, they had edged away to the left, through Bond Street and Mile Street. Where the latter street turns into Knight's Place, Toby ceased to advance, but began to run backwards and forwards, with one ear cocked and the other drooping, the very picture of canine indecision. Then he waddled round in circles, looking up to us from time to time, as if to ask for sympathy in his embarrassment. "'What the deuce is the matter with the dog?' growled Holmes. They surely would not take a cab or go off in a balloon. Perhaps they stood here for some time, I suggested. Ah, it's all right. He's off again, said my companion in a tone of relief. Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. And the voice you heard reading from various Arthur Conan Doyle works is Joel Knight, at Joel Knight Items on Twitter. This week we're in Norwood. Talking about Arthur Conan Doyle, who lived there for three years, three important years. And we'll be talking about Sherlock Holmes's ventures south of the river. This Thursday, we'll be showing Once Jolly Swagman, the 1949 Dirk Bogard Speedway film, at number 178, uh, the CAF on Newcross Road, right up at the Newcross Gate end, a few doors down from the White Hart pub. More details on facebook.com slash Hardcore. And southlondonhardcore.com. So Conan Doyle's not from South London? No, he is Scottish. And Sherlock Holmes isn't based in South London, famously. Yeah, 2218B7. <laughs> no, he's uh, Baker Street, yeah. 221B Baker Street, where his uh, rooms were. He shared with uh, John Watson. But he went over the river many times. He went all around London. It's yeah. very, very much... Uh, London is... Uh, I don't want to use the cliche that London's a character, but certainly he goes... Sherlock Holmes goes up and down real streets and uh, round and round London. And also goes up and down real streets in a coherent manner. You know, when you follow the path that he describes in the book, it stands up. And it only really helps if it's streets you're familiar with, but it does help at that point. You know, we've talked on the show before about, um, you know, I had issues with The Secret Service by Mark Miller for a number of reasons. But one of the things in it was the portrayal of Peckham. As soon as you say it's Peckham, it doesn't look like Peckham. Mm. And you're describing places that aren't in Peckham. It just takes you out of the story completely. Yeah, exactly. Don't name that place or do basic research and get it right. You know, to counterpoint with that, there's the Blake and Mortimer series, which is a, a series of French adventure uh, comics from the 40s and 50s. And again, they're set in London. A lot around the British Museum because of artefacts and whatnot. And again, you can follow the path that they're going. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. And even you know, on a previous episode, we talked about absolute beginners. 
and the Soho that they show is a hyper real version but still follows the pattern of the streets yeah. of Soho. Fresh so it comes off Old Compton Street. Yeah, still. this is the thing, yeah. So it does, you know, and, and you know, Conan Doyle's meticulous attention to detail in terms of that does reflect in the other parts of the book in terms of uh, character and these really cleverly constructed plots. We meet Sherlock Holmes first in A Study in Scarlet, which is a novel published in 1887. And it's the story where he meets Watson... And they solve a mystery. And the basics of the character in terms of him being very analytical and observational, brought together and Watson as our eyes on the story that then reports it back to us, uh, is established. So we get the basic pattern of the Sherlock Holmes stories with that particular novel. But it's with The Sign of the Four that there's some very key elements that are introduced to the story. And it's that story that we focused on, particularly because of... Uh, the important South London settings in there. Yeah, he wrote four Sherlock Holmes novels, didn't he? Which surprised me. I thought. Uh, there yeah, were it's loads. the short stories that mm. make make. Yeah, the was it four novels and hundreds of short stories? So the sign of the four starts off in the rooms in Baker Street, and they're given the case and follow the path along, but before long, are guided across the river. One of the bits we didn't get Joel to record. Um, and reading over it again, I really regretted it because I think he'd do a great job of it. But a, a very important uh, part of the story is, is where they're in a carriage going along and Watson's lost track of where they are. But Holmes obviously knows the streets along so well, even in the fog, he can work out their path. And he says, Stockwell Place, Robert Street, Cold Harbour Lane, our quest does not appear to take us into fashionable regions. And that's their entrance into South London where they meet um, Thaddeus Sholto. So they end up around Cold Harbour Lane at Thaddeus Sholto's house, but after talking to Thaddeus Sholto, he reveals they have to go and visit his brother, Bartholomew, who lives in Pondicherry Lodge. Yes. In Upper Norwood. Upper Norwood. Upper Norwood, yeah. So we actually get... It's interesting, you know, uh, Sherlock Holmes hits South London, and rather than just being a little jolt down there and then back to the centre as quickly as possible, Conan Doyle goes, do you know what? Let's go even further south. Mm. <laughs> Um, down to Norwood, where the, the story unfolds. And from there, you know, they z- sort of zigzag a lot around uh, South London. And then it moves to the river and away from South London. But it's a real... Uh, the establishment of the story does take place really heavily in South London. Was he living in Norwood at the time already? The Sign of Four is published in 1890, and he moves to Norwood in 1891. So you'd imagine he's writing it while they're house hunting. Yeah, right. And there are these various theories as to possible houses in South Norwood that could potentially be Pondicherry Lodge. No one's been able to... Various uh, Holmesian scholars. <laughs> various... Uh, Home- co- Homeboys. <laughs> scholars have uh, <laughs> tried to pinpoint it, but uh, haven't managed it. Obviously, what we can pinpoint is the house that he did move to in 1891 which is 12 Tennyson Road. And we visited there earlier today. We did indeed. There is a huge blue plaque there. A GLC plaque, isn't it? Embedded into the wall, as you pointed out. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, well, it's a serious blue plaque. Not one of your rubbishy blue plaques you have these days. Cardboard and sticky about plastic. <laughs> Xavier got to dance in front of 
Arthur Conan Doyle's house. That was a nice moment, I think. Yeah, well, we put her down. I thought she'd just wander about the driveway of these. I mean, if you she buy... did a little dance and then ran for the road. Yeah, so exactly. She just pelted. Game I mean, over in it. If you buy, uh, buy or rent a house with a blue plaque, especially as prestigious as Arthur Conan Doyle, you're gonna have to expect people with cameras to wander in your garden. It did look like they had sort of nets up, but almost like industrial rubber nets, just like these ridiculous things, just to sort of keep out. Uh, and I don't want to look for your window. I'm not here to look at your house. I'm here to look at the blue plaque. Uh, well, to look at the house as a piece, because it is an impressive, impressive building. Yeah, it's it really nice. A yeah. couple of stone lions guarding mm. the, the thing. A lovely um, balcony with some nice uh, rat iron work up top. Went on the market recently, I think, for three quarters of a million pounds and didn't reach its reserve at auction. So now are people. Yeah, just home, buy, buy that owners. house, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Homes owners. <laughs> So Conan Doyle moves to Norwood, and it's fascinating because at this point, as you say, it's the short stories, the novels are the, the names that we know in terms of the Hands of the Baskervilles and uh, Study in Scarlet, but it's the short stories that form the huge body of work that we think of in terms of the Sherlock Holmes adventures. The first two collections, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes and The Memoirs of Sherlock Holmes, are released in 1892 and 1894, so it's in the middle of him living there. And just as he moves out. So those stories are written while he's in residence in South North. So it's an incredibly productive and fertile period for him. One of the stories he writes while there is The Final Problem, which is the, the famous Sherlock Holmes story where Holmes faces Moriarty at the Reichenbach Falls and they apparently both fall to their deaths. Conan Doyle, like a lot of famous creators, felt burdened the success of Sherlock Holmes rather than freed by it and often threatened to kill him off. His mum talked him down more than once, I think, where she was like, just don't, because... But he wanted to do other work, better work, yeah, other sort of historical characters that he wanted to, to work on. So the sign of four, you know, there's a few elements to it that, as I say, have become important to the mythos, or just very distinctive. You've got the drug use. Which is introduced yeah. on the first page. It opens with him shooting up. Yeah, it? that's the first image. And as I say, there's no mention of that in studying Scarlet. It's an incredible thing to introduce to a character. Yeah. You know, a character that's been successful. So I go, I think I'll probably yeah. just make him a drug user. It's pretty full on as well. Yeah, it's I, no... I, I, having not read any uh, Sherlock Holmes before, I thought it was probably hinted at, but it's just like going through it like in a... You know, because it's coming from the point of view of Watson, who was yeah. a doctor. It's yeah. like kind of almost a medical... Well, of course, know. Conan Doyle's a doctor. and comes from a medical right. background. So his, his it's like, is it what, what is it, cocaine or uh, morphine? Yeah. It's all just a like... A 7% solution. It, and yeah. it ends with uh, another shooting up scene, you know? Yeah. Or well, this, is, off, this is the thing. You, you know, there's a, a, a wonderful contrast between the two characters where, again, another important element that's introduced in the book is the, the woman who brings in the case is Mary Marston, who, by the end of the book becomes uh, Watson's fiance, um, and across the book you have this this subplot of Mary and, and John becoming attracted to one another and as you say we open with Holmes shooting up and the final page is him wishing happiness upon them I think he says uh, you can't be happy but you know I wish you all the best and trying to be happy and Watson's like what about you and he's like I'll always have the needle yeah. That's his take on yeah. on, on life and, and society. I'll I'll be fine. I'll just shoot. Up. And but it's an interesting take on drug use as well because 
you know, there is in popular culture this idea that drug use equals creativity. But Holmes is very definite about... His, his point is, if there's no case to work on, if there's nothing that he needs to be directing his intellect upon, it, his mind's just racing. So basically he has to drug slow himself, himself down, just yeah. slow himself down to everyone else's pace, I guess. And it takes a 7% solution of cocaine to do that because <laughs> <laughs> he's so far ahead. Yeah. So it's an interesting take on drug use where it's, it's Conan Doyle going, no, this isn't making him better or more creative. It's subduing him. This is, this is you know, definitely doing him harm. And like Watson outlines the... the you know, uh, Holmes offers him... Uh, a shot, and he's like, "My constitution's still recovering from Afghanistan." Yeah, <laughs> entertaining, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, yeah, great pace to it. Mm. Um, some some brilliant characters. One character that is troublesome, problematic. Yeah, there's yeah, issue. quite racist, isn't it? Um, Tonga. Yeah, just constantly describing how hideous looking he is, and this kind of uh, like racial stereotype. You know what I mean? And caricature. Yeah, say. yeah. And he he's a uh, he's um, described you know as an, uh, a native of the Andaman Islands and you know as a pygmy, but is also you know quite routinely, uh, I think the you know savage and mm. you know bestial. It's, it's a very yeah. and very it's not just of, uh, you you kind of get the you know the difference between like character and author racism. Yeah. It's you know it seems to put go well. This is social racism. This is yeah, society yeah, at the time. This is the the, the perception of. Mm. But it's so. It's just so. Uh, it's a bit vitriolic almost, isn't it? It's yeah. just so constant descriptions of how hideous looking this man is, and well, and, and also, the way he behaves. You know exactly his behaviour. Like, is it bestial? Is the way to is the best way to put it? I yeah, think. it, it it's is savage. Yeah. It is a thing where his the only thing he does in the book is try and kill people. And like the, you know, what an important aspect to it is, you know, and obviously uh, feels ridiculous saying this about a book that was published a uh, hundred years ago, yeah, over hundred years ago, twenty-five years ago, yeah. Uh, but spoilers. Um, but at the end of the book, when uh, Holmes arrests uh, Jonathan Small, who's the man Tonga's associate, um, you realise that Bartholomew Sholto, who's the man that if I'm dead upon the Cherry Lodge was never intended to be killed. But, as Jonathan Small says, they climb to the window, and before he has a chance to stop, Tonga just kills him. Tonga just yeah. takes out. And it's the blow uh, blowpipe and darts. It's all very, sort mm. of, unfortunate. And, and you know, he comes to his end when he's just trying to kill him on the river, which, you know, at that point, is a police chase. You know, there's, you know, reasonable force and whatnot. But, yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, very unfortunate. What's the idea with Conan Doyle, then? Because... I mean, I was skimming over reading about him, and like he wrote something about the Congo, apparently, didn't he? And something about the Boer War. Right. How, what was uh, bad or good? As a person. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was. Yeah, I don't. It's it's so hard to sort of get a read on racial attitudes at the time. Yeah. Because right. there was just literally so much ignorance. It's very yeah. easy. It's like the David Brent line, isn't it? That was in the forties before racism was bad. <laughs> but it's also a thing of. You know, he was an educated man that would have, you know, uh, like Holmes, studied extensively. He's writing about subjects that he would have read about and would have, you know, probably been quite proud that he's specifically named... In the same way as his portrayal of London is accurate, I'm sure the Andaman Islands was home to pygmies that used blowpipes and darts. But it's just... And, you know, it, it's a plot device. 
That's the thing. This character isn't important in terms of anything he thinks or feels or wants. You know, his his motivation is so uh, straightforward. Like Jonathan Small explains that uh, he had basic medical training for his time in the army and treated Tonga, and he's like he became dedicated to me after that point. And it's just this very simple thing. And you know, and it is this casual racism of uh, you know they're simple-minded people. You show them a kindness, and they'll just so he's following you halfway across the world. To climb up a window and up an oar and blow darts into people's necks because you like sorted a wound out for him six years before, yeah. just is you know not coherent. It's it's the thing of you know it's that sort of little detail that they need. You need this character. Well, I don't know if you need that character in particular. I think they could have got around it, but yeah. there's also you know these stories um, would have originally been serialized in magazines, um, and you know lurid sensationalism is not going to hurt you. You know, mm. people in the magazines are looking for quite extreme portrayals. So having, and it's a gift for, uh, you know, an illustrator at the time. If you get to, you know, you've got a, 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 a river launch chase, which I've seen on screen. And it's about as, you know, you've got Holmes. They're trying to bring drama to it. Holmes is like, pour on the coal. And yeah. you're like, this can't be exciting. It's going to be going we, so slow. We need to be out to 28 miles an hour if we hope to catch them. And you're like, <laughs> so you do need some sort of... But it's just unfortunate. You can't, you know, obviously use people from uh, other races as you, you drop into uh, drama and exoticism because you've chosen a particularly slow form of transport for your chase. <laughs> as I said earlier, there's plenty of South London-based Sherlock Holmes stuff, but we picked another Norwood story, The Adventure of the Norwood Builder. Very talky, isn't it? <laughs> I listen to an audiobook rather than reading that it. That would be talking. Out of time. <laughs> it's just dialogue, isn't it? Yeah. This yeah. happened, this happened. Yeah. It's not, not one of the best ones. I mean, the title's not particularly compelling, is no. it? Not sort of like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> does he skimp on materials, Holmes? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, again, is it, and similarly, you know, people have tried to pinpoint the various police stations and, and buildings named. Um, and, and, you know, recognise that the Nat West Bank was probably the location of the police station. And, you know, it's quite interesting, but it's not, it's no uh, sun for, is it? No. Thank heaven that I had the sense to turn away from him and to marry a better, if poorer man. I was engaged to him, Mr Holmes, when I heard a shocking story of how he had turned a cat loose in an aviary, and I was so horrified at his brutal cruelty that I would have nothing more to do with him. She rummaged in a bureau, and presently she produced a photograph of a woman, shamefully defaced and mutilated with a knife. That is my own photograph, she said. He sent it to me in that state, with his curse, upon my wedding morning. Did you watch any of the um, adaptations of the Simon before? No. I watched the Jeremy Brett one, and I'd never watched any Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes before. You know, people... Yeah, Dave Hatton told me it's uh, great stuff. Yeah, people are very, very good. And you can see why. It's really... It's high production values. Um, I think it was ITV at the time. Um, But it's, it's, you know, good production values, good cast... Um, the script's decent. You know, in the cast, you've got Jenny Seagrove as uh, Mary Marston, um, John Thor as Jonathan Small, obviously uh, Jeremy Brett as uh, Holmes, uh, Ronald Lacey, who's uh, a great turn as he plays Thaddeus and Bartholomew Shoto. He, yeah. he he plays uh, Thaddeus Shoto as 
the sort of flamboyant character in the book. But when you go into the room uh, and they find a dead body, it's uh, clearly a waxwork of Ronald Lacey, just like identical uh, uh, you know, twin brothers. Um, and yeah, it looks great. Ronald Lacey, uh, people might know him as uh, Harris from Porridge, but probably best known as uh, the the lead Nazi from uh, Indian, uh, sorry, Raiders of the Lost Ark. All right. The one who tortures uh, the woman by the and burns the thing into his hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah good actor. Tonga, is played by Kieran Shah. Who's that? He's a. Uh, um, what's the correct phrase? Uh, small person. Yeah. Child. But an actor, <laughs> actor as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very successful series of adaptations. No drugs. The yeah. production company, because they, they realised it was, by the time they're making this... Things have changed, haven't it? But also, it's, it's the not like show opium which... dens anymore. It's no, like exactly. under the bridge downtown. Yeah. And it's it's a family show. It's They, they had a, a, you know, a reasonable audience yeah. of kids watching. But they, they it's quite interesting. The production company actually sought permission from Conan Doyle's daughter to, to, to remove the in. drug reference. Mm. Like, Can we remove this? Because, and she was like, yes, fine, that makes sense. Doesn't marry Mary at the end. Yeah, there's an interesting... Because you'd imagine... You uh, mean Watson, yeah? Yeah, Watson, yeah. Watson, the whole the whole Mary Watson thing becomes a thing of uh, sort of looks and longing, but there's no mention of any sort of relationship. The final shot, rather than... And it's interesting, because obviously they've got to deal with the fact they can't sort of end it with Holmes going, the needle for me. So it just ends with Mary Watson leaving, Holmes looking at... Uh, sorry, Watson looking out the window going, uh, remarkable woman. And Holmes just leans back on the couch and goes, I didn't. So it sort of like deals with no Watson relationship, no Holmes relationship, just yeah, by... Right. Which I think is a scene from earlier in the actual actual book where Holmes doesn't even notice how attractive she is when uh, Watson's dazzled by her. Mm. It's been a few adaptations over the years. Uh, of Sign of the Four, yeah? Well, the yeah. sign. Sorry, The Sign of Four. The Sign of Four. Easily, yeah. easily said wrong, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Holmes has been played by actors like Peter Cushing, Ian Richardson, Peter O'Toole, Bairdink Cumberbatch, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. obviously most recently. Um, but the, what, a really interesting adaptation of the story was uh, The Crucifer of Blood, which is a stage adaptation written by a man called Paul Giovanni that had three stage productions and then a film made, uh, much later on though, so it premieres on Broadway in 1978 with Paxton Whitehead as Sherlock Holmes uh, and Timothy Lamfield as, as Watson. Uh, instead of Mary Morstan, there's a character called Irene Sinclair. I think there's a lot of characters being combined and simplified. But in 1970 on Broadway, she's played by Glenn Close. Right. Which is okay. uh, a, a name to conjure with. The only other name I recognised from that cast was uh, Major Alistair Ross, who's played by Dwight Schultz. I don't know if that's a name that's familiar to you. You might be too the young. from the office. No. <laughs> um, now, he's uh, probably most famous for, and I might be wrong here, I mean, I might just be showing my very narrow knowledge of popular culture, but I know him best as Howling Mad Murdoch from the 80s. Right, yeah, I know him best yeah, as that too. Yeah, with the cap and, yeah, get him on stage. Cigar, with yeah. Uh, I think he did smoke, but Hannibal was, Hannibal was more famous. They all smoked, actually, didn't they? Pretty much. Because like, Hannibal was famous for the cigar. But Face would have had a go on the cigar. And I think Howling yeah, Mad Murdoch right, as well. Right. Not B.A. No. 
pitied a fall at uh, Jets Lungs Cancer. Never said pitied a fall in the 18s, did you know that? What? Comes from? Uh, Mars advert. Rocky Free. Club oh, Lang. Club yeah, Lang says yeah, I pitied a fall. So it's a Mr. T quote. Yeah. That's the general, but not a bit. He dies, he dies. <laughs> Different film. Okay. Different film. Makes it onto the London stage in 1979. Keith Mitchell as Sherlock Holmes, Dennis Lill as Watson, names I've never heard of. And I look for the cast, there's no one, no one let's out. Comes back to Los Angeles in 1980. Charlton Heston. Wow, right. As Sherlock, as Holmes, Sherlock Holmes. As yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Who's playing uh, Dr. Watson? Mm. Jeremy Brett. Right, oh right. Yeah, like four years before uh, he starts production on the TV show, he plays Dr. Watson in a Los Angeles production of an adaptation of The Sign of the Four. The only other name from that cast that leapt out was uh, Dwight Schultz reprising his role as uh, Major Alistair. Apparently very good, you know. I wonder if Elementary has done a Sign of Four episode. Yeah, I didn't see it listed in. Do they do straight adaptations? Elementary. I've never watched it. I mean, people, sound, people, if people know now because it's actually quite big. Yeah, yeah. But it looked like it would flop after a season and it would be a joke. Like, it's uh, an American adaptation set in New York of uh, Sherlock Holmes and Johnny Lee Miller plays Sherlock and Lucy Liu plays uh, what Dr. Watson and you thought it might just be a footnote in the Sherlock Holmes I thought it was a Saturday Night Live sketch <laughs> <laughs> but no it's uh, Lakeisha likes it I, I hate good things I mean I've seen a bit of it and it's obviously not worth watching no it's going to be shocking it's more it's not... in like the kind of uh, the mentalist and numbers that kind of level of yeah, television yeah. CSI Borneo, whatever. <laughs> they made a film for TV in 1991 of the Crucifer of Blood. Charlton Heston plays Holmes again. Why? Right, I didn't realise that. It's directed by Fraser C. Heston, his son. Don't ask me how he got the job. Probably a really yeah, good uh, director. Stuff, oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Richard Johnson plays. Uh, You're reading uh, that a lot of cast members you never heard of, Stevie. Well, I think it's important to... I'm basically listing your Holmes and your Watsons, because they're, they're key, aren't they? Yeah. But I'm picking out any favourites from the... I mean, Susanna Harker plays Irene Sinclair in it. Simon Callow in it. Oh, right. Uh, Edward Fox. Oh, these are big names. Good cast. Enough. Tonga, played by Kieran Shah. Really, right. Incredible, isn't it? He just becomes your go-to Tonga for uh, a TV adaptation at this point. Have you ever seen the episode of The Chuckle Brothers? Where they yes. end up accidentally going to a murder mystery party and not realising it's a murder mystery party. So they're going around the place going like, Everyone's I can't dying. believe someone's been killed here. That sounds great. But they arrive, yeah, and they're not meant to be there. I can't remember why. And someone goes, what's your name? And he look, glances over and there's a magazine and it's the Ideal Homes and he goes, Holmes. <laughs> and then the other brother goes, they go, what's your name? He looks over and there's Watson magazine. And he's like, Watson. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Strong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really good. Are you a fan of uh, the BBC recent adaptation, Mark Gatiss, Benedict Cumberbatch, etc.? Because there's some stuff on them there. I seem yeah. to I only watch the first season, uh, and I seem to remember they were... Se- series, because it's British. <laughs> Greenwich, no? Yeah, no, there's, it, the thing is, it's watchable, but it's not people talk about it like it's good. Yeah, it gets, a, yeah, it gets too much hype, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, when it was Considering back, the stuff that people have not seen. Yeah. Spend your time watching... When it was coming back, like Twitter blew up with people yeah. like going, tonight guys, tonight. And I was like, what's yeah, on tonight? Yeah, yeah. And people were like, hour to go. I was like, what? And then they were like, Sherlock's back. And you're like, all right, it wasn't great, was it? Yeah. And people were going, that's brilliant. So I watched it 
And that probably didn't help. But, yeah, it's just watching very... It. <laughs> How much did you watch? I watched all of them. All oh, right, three yeah. seasons, is it? But I like they're series. like yeah, but like the series is like three episodes at an hour. Yeah, so yeah. So it's like it's definitely you can definitely find time. Well, to I mean, it. to be fair, in the first series they did keep hold of some of the racism, <laughs> that racial stereotyping, it, that whole like dun, 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 dun. you know, it's pretty cheesy. Man. But there's also uh, like people talk about how well written it is, and like it's you watch it, well written, and it? you go, it's really based. It's like there's an episode where there's a scene with this soldier dies outside like in the palace on guard I think and they explain how he's killed but there's no reason why he's killed he's like he's got in touch with uh, Holmes and I think someone's going to kill me and then someone does kill him so oh, this is the mystery I'm like, and the mystery is why anyone would want to kill this guy there's no reason there's no motive you've ignored motive you're going for means and opportunity but you're not giving this a motive so it's very sort of patchy but people because it does sort of like there's also this thing of like um very reliant on technology they can't get over you know people talk about what would Seinfeld be like if they had mobile phones yeah, like, right, right. this show can't get over the fact that people have mobile phones like yeah. everything's done on mobile phones it all comes phones. up on the screen doesn't it yeah, yeah. and it's just like te- you know Moriarty's constantly texting him like, <laughs> if you don't think we're losing out here by yeah. having Moriarty and like they do the thing of you know there's a lot of like every time they sort of Watson talks about his blog a little part of me just sort of like Aches inside. So you're like, oh. oh, it's set up as a blog. Is yeah, it? of course it is. See, I only saw it at the time. And I can't really remember. They got computers remember. now, and it, you know yeah, this is all they... fine. But I just, you know, I don't think it's as great as people make out. Yeah, no, it's not, is it? I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's very good. At what? He yeah, does. he's quite good. I ended up reading the books, and I got him in my mind. Right, that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really want that, but it, you know, it weren't too big of a problem, Steve. I've I've always had the sort of visual image of the sort of engravings from the original novels. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. That's the difference in us, isn't it? I, no, in no. Our age, isn't it? I imagine a <laughs> uh, guy texting, you imagine engravings. <laughs> but I think that's the strongest, and that's, you know, that's what Jeremy Brett was, was going for with his portrayal. You know, that's what you want. You want the sort of the lean aesthetic, sort mm. of, yeah. So, I mean, seeing as we're only ever going to talk about this once, there was also, uh, there's an, uh, the other recent, so you've got three recent adaptations of Sherlock Holmes. Elementary, the best one. In elementary, present day America. Sherlock, present day London. And the two Guy Ritchie films set at the right time in the right place. I love them. Yeah? Yeah, I think they're both really good. I mean, not as as films generally. They're not like great films. But they, they're perfectly good action-adventure films and perfectly good Sherlock adaptations. Yeah, you're a big fan of Robert Downey Jr. Aren't Huge you? fan of Robert Downey Jr. And I, I you know, I'm, I've still got time for Guy Ritchie as a director. I know a lot of people think he's dropped off a lot, but I do think there's certain bits uh, in, particularly the first film, where he does a lot of interesting visual stuff that really carries the film for me. And uh, I remember complaining at the time that it was Sherlock, like he's like a kung fu master. And but then I think you said to me that that is accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's the, there's a bit in um, there's a bit in uh, the Sign of the Four, the original uh, Conan Sorry. Doyle uh, story, where they go where they they accompany Mary to meet. No, it's when they get to uh, Fadia Shoko's house. There's a, a he's got a, like a bodyguard at the door, and then like he's like she can come in, but I don't know who used to. 
and Holmes just goes up to him and goes, you don't recognise the amateur that fought you, fought you at your benefit three years ago? And he goes, Sherlock Holmes! <laughs> and he, he says, uh, if you'd come up and hit me with that left hook, I'd have recognised you instantly. Yeah. The idea that Sherlock Holmes, as I say... Established he, in the second novel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know, maybe even in the first. He, he, he's, a, he's, he's essentially, uh, well, as I say, he's essentially about that. Batman's essentially him. He's a master of everything he needs to to fight crime. Mm. So the idea, you know, we have this visual, and, you know, it's, as I say, from the engravings of him, very sort of ponderous and quiet and reserved. But, you know, he's uh, fist fighting all the time in the books and, like, has, uh, you know, does, you know, the Kung Fu master bit is overplayed. But that's quite what I enjoyed. That was a sort of a good adaptation. Basically, and this is going to sound vaguely ridiculous, but Guy Ritchie overlaid the aesthetic of the Bourne films onto Sherlock Holmes, and I thought it worked a treat. I thought the, the, the fight scene, which, you know, as I say, divided a lot of people in that film, where he's like, bare-knuckle fighting. But I was like, no, he bare-knuckle fights. This is mm. this is what Sherlock Holmes did. Like, it's never... you never. I don't think there's a scene in the book where he's bare-knuckle fighting, but it's referenced, so definitely have a scene of him doing it. But I thought it was a tremendous scene. Yeah, I mean, violence works, than it, on screen. Yeah, yeah. So do it. And also, it was a great... As I say, the visual... Uh, presentation of it where Holmes um, you know he's in the fight and he basically the film freezes and he anticipates yeah, his next six moves I hated that but that's Holmes that's what he does that's yeah, the whole point of the character yeah but it's fighting NHS is it but it is he's turned it into that that's the point yeah I thought it was a bit showy visually I didn't really enjoy mm. the way it was shot but you did yeah I really did I'm just I... saying that as a counterpoint no absolutely right. I don't want people to go away thinking oh Jack agreed with Steve that it was well shot <laughs> no for, but for me I enjoyed how it looked and I thought it was a good introduction you know obviously not that Sherlock Holmes needs too great an introduction but you're like yeah this is how he approaches everything for him it's a fight should never be a case of I'll take my chances he's worked out how he's going to win that's what he does we're in South Norwood Country Park and you can hear the ducks squeaking. <laughs> Quacking. Quacking, I think is the approved term. The trouble is, when you have a baby, Steve, you suddenly start putting all those kind of comedy sound effects back on animals. Right. Moo. Quack. Yeah. It doesn't quack, does it? <laughs> <laughs> We're at Lake Conan Doyle. Not one of the Great Lakes, but apparently it's the fourth largest lake in London. But of course, not strictly speaking, a lake at all. Originally formed as a reservoir for the Croydon Canal in 1809, when the canal closed, the reservoir was just left to run wild. Which, just as well, because it was but surrounded by... lakes don't run, do they? <laughs> you're really thinking of rivers and baths. <laughs> this is a lovely wild park, Steve, and it is a very nice lake. You know, you've got a big island in the middle with more ducks... <laughs> yes, yeah, newly christened as Lake Conan Doyle. The South Norwood Tourist Board uh, did a ceremony a couple of months ago, very recently, um, where they gathered Morris dancers, poets, and locals to come down and unofficially, they made that very clear, unofficially name the park. They had a lot of run ins with. Uh, name the lake, not the park. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Conan Doyle Park. <laughs> had a few run ins with the council. Where they asked for permission to do the ceremony, and the council were very sort of dubious. It's a Tory council, so ah. the idea of fun, and and I think also the fact that it was all going to be free just didn't appeal to them. The fact that people were just going to turn up and enjoy themselves, and there's no profit motive, they just didn't didn't compute for them at all. So they, they tried to obstruct it a number of ways, you know, refusing to give permission. They sent a letter apparently where they queried whether uh, the organisation had got permission from Arthur Conan, 
Arthur Conan Doyle's estate uh, to use the name because of copyright infringement. Because that's not a, that's a copyright works, of course, isn't it? Names of people. It's, uh, it's yeah, on, uh, yeah, just Can remarkable. we drown some Tories in Canada <laughs> Yeah, they, it, the uh, South North Tourist Board's uh, website, well worth a look. Uh, quite militant, quite open in their disdain for the Tories. Uh, there's a lovely bit where they just sort of outline this, this you know, Tory tryhards that's trying to block the ceremony. They give a, a little point history of his time in the Metropolitan Police, um, working as a uh, officer in the what they call a contra- often controversial uh, special tactical unit as part of the Met. I think they're the ones with guns, which right. you know, they're not the best ones, are they? Generally, yeah. I like this though. They've just, regardless of what the they council just did are saying, it. just did it. I was going to have a look, see what it used to be called, the lake, but. I don't want to know. It's Conan Doyle Lake. They also made the point that this Tory who's like very concerned with law and order was in charge of uh, Croydon while the riots were going on a few years back. Oh. Didn't really seem too uh, on it at that point. Very good at sort of deciding, this is probably then now, very good at deciding <laughs> uh, where you can have a party by a lake. But once you've actually got uh, criminals on the streets, tends to keep his uh, profile a little lower. One phrase he used with such wearisome iteration that it stuck in my memory and at last almost made me laugh as a comment upon the day of doom. Pretty doings, what? That was his ejaculation as each fresh, tremendous combination of death and disaster displayed itself before us. Pretty doings, what? he cried as we descended the station hill at Rotherfield. And it was still, pretty doings, what? as we picked our way through a wilderness of death in the high street of Lewisham and the old Kent Road.